You said you'd come. Now let's hope you're not too late. Suicide Squadcast. This is the DC Universe podcast where we discuss the DC Extended Universe movies and TV shows. Yeah, we're all big fans of what DC Comics is doing on the big and the small screens, and we want to make sure we talk all about it. So thanks for joining us tonight. Let's get started. My name is Scott. And I am Tim, and we are the Suicide Squadcast. So Scott, we have some news tonight. Uh, Well, technically last night, I think. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at least for the, the listening audience anyway. For the listening audience, that's right. Um, We have finally, people, it has been demanded, it has been requested. Uh, we have finally launched a Patreon page, and um, it went live as of Thursday night. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we wanted to say that basically, guys, we've loved doing this show, and we've been doing it for over two years now for free. Tim says we've missed one weekend. I still think that we've that we've always done a show at least once a week. If, you know, if, I, th- I think that was the one time, like, both of us were, like, had medical emergencies. Right, and then, yeah. like, we did a, we had, like, a Thursday night show. We were like, oh, we did a show for the week. We're good. Yeah, that was the one I was talking about was that Thursday night show. So so we said, well, that one just counts for the weekend. So, yeah, we've yes. done this thing over, well, I mean, we're on episode 126. That means we've, well, okay, I mean, some of these were a few times a week, but we've done about 120 weeks in a row at this yeah, show. definitely. Yeah, so anyway, so the point is, uh, guys, you know, we've had people ask us over the course of a couple of years, you know, why don't you guys have a Patreon page? Well, we've just been doing this because this is what we want to do. We're doing this uh, uh, basically for a love of DC films and DC movies and all that. And so this is why we did it. But, you know, we've expanded this network. We have four shows in a network and we've kind of set kind of a cadence of how often we want to put these things out. We kind of set a standard for what these shows would be and how we run them and we try to set a certain expectation of integrity and that kind of thing. So we're kind of at a point now where it's just, <laughs> we just can't keep doing this for free. Yeah, um, let's let a little transparency here. In the last two years after, you know, all, you know, building up to four shows, uh, there has been a combined expense of over about $2,000 if you look at equipment, server fees, website fees, the giveaways we do, which we've got one tonight, actually, yes. you know, preview of coming attractions. And, you know, we spend about three nights a week dedicated to each show. I mean, if you think about us putting the notes together, you know, breaking them down, recording, producing, posting, you know, that's three nights per sh- That That's at minimum three nights a week per show that all six of us are kind of putting together. Right. And we've had offers. People have been emailing us, asking us to join the networks, and they've asked, you know, but that would have required adding recorded advertising, which we we personally chose that we didn't want to do. Yeah, we're kind of vehemently against that. I mean, I you know, I know it works uh, works well for a lot of other shows and all that. That's just something we didn't want to do. And the reason being is because we've always kind of wanted this this podcast to just kind of be what we were trying to put on, like a very friendly kind of atmosphere, family friendly. Uh, we want it to feel very personal. Uh, we don't want anything kind of taken away from the conversation that, you know, Scott and I have and that we hope to make you feel like you're a part of as well. So that was always kind of important for us. We were always resistant to advertising and so, and, and we still feel that same way. So, you know, we hope that, you know, when you listen to us and you know, it feels like that you're chatting with us and, and for those of you who have reached out to us and, you know, talked to us on Facebook and Twitter, you know, we kind of feel like you're our friends too. Yes. I mean, we've actually made friends, like legitimate friends, you know, not IRL friends, but we, we, we'd love to one day and we just want this to remain a fan supported network. You know, we're fans who are making a show for fans and now we're just asking if you feel so compelled to maybe help us out you know help us keep this show going yes and if you can support we'd really appreciate it and we hope to take whatever support we get to help expand the network in some ways and to keep giving back to you guys so let me kind of walk you through what we've set up so there's a webpage called patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com and it's set up for people just like us that are trying to create original content and just want to remain, you know, maintain just basically fan support. So if you go to that webpage and search for Squadcast, all one word, Squadcast, you can find us. And in there, you'll actually get a listing of what these different options are. And we're going to run through these real quick. The first one is a bronze option. You know, if you want to just help contribute to the show, if you do $1 a month, basically it's, you know, we're thanking you for your support and we appreciate it. If you do a silver level, it's $3 a month. Your name will be listed on our website on the wall of thanks. And so that 
that other listeners know that you are trying to help support the network to make it happen. And then at $5, this is where things get kind of interesting. We have a Patreon feed where we will have content that will be exclusive to patrons. We are already planning things like reviews of older comic book movies, doing some film commentaries that people have been asking us for for years now and Tim has been resistant to. And finally, <laughs> we have we have broken his spirit and he's willing to sit down and record some commentaries just for patrons. B-roll, you know, some of the stuff that we record that doesn't actually end up in the show and it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> we're, we're willing to embarrass ourselves for people who support us. Yeah. Uh, sometimes there's going to be like uh, pre and post show, just off mic discussions. And it could be about anything. I mean, my gosh, I mean, some of the conversations we've had, Scott. <laughs> Our allergies apparently are, are really interesting conversations right now. We were just talking about allergies. Uh, there's another one that I just kind of threw out there. I don't know exactly what this would be yet, but we're calling it the Suicide Squadcast Raw. You know, we try to keep it family friendly, but there's times we're not. And we usually cut all that stuff out. So there might be some raw discussions that we throw out there as well. But I mean, the two that I'm actually most excited about is like the comic book movie review episodes. Now, this is something we've been talking about amongst the six hosts here. We would like to do something where we kind of retrospectively go back and kind of do a review on all superhero movies. Now, we don't want to start all the way back from like the 1920s <laughs> because then it would take us forever to get to something more contemporary. So what we're going to do is we're going to start actually in the late 90s and the first film that we're going to do is actually Blade. From 1997. Yeah, 1997. So we're kind of considering that kind of like right near the start of kind of like the modern superhero movie era. And we're going to start with that and that's going to be our first review. And then we're going to, with the alternating reviews, like the next review after a contemporary review or more modern review, we're going to actually go back to something quite old. And uh, I think that's going to be a ton of fun. I think we've talked about something like, we've talked like Superman and the Mole the Man. The Mole Man, yes. Like yes. <laughs> so we're, we're pretty excited about this. And so what we're going to do is have like two to three of the hosts at a time do these reviews. And and uh, so we're just going to start rolling these things out. And it's only going to be available for patrons. But it's I think it's just going to be a ton of fun. I'm really looking forward to that. And I am looking forward to the film commentary tracks because I kind of feel like this is something special. Like somebody who really wants to you know listen to two hours of us talk along with a film, you know, this would be the place to do it. And then we have sort of our two special and limited tiers at this point. There's a $10 tier limited to 10 patrons. And at this tier, you get all the things that we've talked about already, plus you will get to appear on an episode of the podcast of your choice of the network. Yes. So you would be a regular guest co-host. Let's say if you wanted to do it for this show, you would be on an entire episode of the Suicide Squadcast, just like one of us. And uh, that's for $10 a month. And if once you do that $10 a month and you've done it for a, uh, uh, 12 months in a row, you will be invited to be a guest on the show. And then our super limited special tier is $25 a month. And if you remain a patron at $25 a month for 12 months, we will ship you a microphone, a microphone that we use on the network. And then you get to keep the microphone and you get to appear on an episode of a podcast on the network of your choice. Now for those two tiers, the first one, which was $10 a month, there are 10 spots available for that. Well, technically nine spots because one of them is already taken by now. <laughs> one of them is already taken, even though we haven't really been advertising this. This is the Squadcast Echelon. So you could be one of the Echelon. There's nine spots left for that. And then Squadcast Elite, we have a total of three spots. And actually, we now only have a total of two spots because somebody's already jumped on that. Anyway, so this is kind of what we set up. We, you know, we want to make this fun for you guys, uh, especially for you, or, you know, who are definitely really strong, loyal supporters, and you're able to you know contribute to this thing we want to we want to definitely you know provide all kinds of rewards as, as much as we can and and i personally would like to add some other things to this later on but we're just kind of you know trying to feel this out at this point and figure out how we want to do this i mean the point in this guys is like you know we've been doing this for a long time and you know we give back to you guys I mean, there's <laughs> i don't there shouldn't be any question about that if whatever money we get coming into the network you know we're going to give some of that back to you guys for sure you know after we pay for our expenses and you know just we appreciate you guys and we would appreciate any support even if it's a dollar a month. Yeah. That would be greatly appreciated. We're like PBS right here. We appreciate any <laughs> level that you are willing to give. Anything to help take the bite out of the monthly cost it takes to do this show, especially for the four shows combined. Because when you donate, you are you are donating to help the entire network. Yes. And so you'll find a link in the show notes, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's www.patreon.com slash squadcastmedia. And that's the direct link where you can find our Patreon page. And you'll need to create a Patreon account and then you can log in and become a patron if you feel so compelled. Yes. All right. Well, that's it. So a little long-winded, but we figured this is the first time mentioning it, so we wanted 
to kind of give in detail uh, why we're doing this thing and what we're kind of offering up at this point. Now, just as a reminder, we are the Suicide Squadcast Network, and that includes Fans Without Borders with Britton Ray and the triumphant return of DC TV Squadcast, talking about the DCCW universe of shows, and of course, DC Comics Squadcast with Chris and Jordan, where they are talking about the Justice Leaguers in the DC Comics, especially with Metal and leading up into Doomsday Clock and all the all the rebirth goodness we've got going on at DC Comics right now. Right. So we've spent a lot of time talking. We do want to give away a DC trade paperback. So we're going to do one more thing here before we get to the news. And we have a review from Spain, which we actually did not know about. And just to give you an idea, when it comes to iTunes, they have somewhere around 200 different stores. So like if you're in a certain country and you leave a review, it only shows up in your store. And so the only way for me to have visibility to that is if I purposely go to that store to look to see if we got any reviews. And uh, Spain was just not one I was looking at. So, so this review's been out there since July. July. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so our listener sent us an email and just gave us a heads up. And sure enough, I went out there to look at it and there it was. So you are actually now the 10th in this giveaway. I'm going to go ahead and read the review and then read off the the 10 in order. And then we're going to do a giveaway right here. So as I said, this is from Spain and it's the author is Borju. Very nice podcast. I was searching for a good comic book podcast till I found this one. Very well done. And I really like it. In Spain, we don't have such good comic book podcasts. I love DC movies and shows and also flash costume in the justice league so you hear that brent booyah take that brent you hear that yeah (laughs) all the way from spain spain likes the flash spain likes it all right thank you very much for your work uh so thank you very much for that and i appreciate it and sorry we didn't see that but uh, definitely if you've left a review and you're a different country point it out to me if i haven't read it off it's only because i didn't know about it we found something from two years ago from belarus yes we did honestly (laughs) we did we didn't even know we had listeners in belarus all right so this is in order of received i'm gonna read off the names borju Shop 23, Yeshua Mashaik, Abbeyland 123, Gary Bingaman II, Vader of Angle, Joey Casco, The Mark Planty, Mount Benty, and Corey P. And the 10 of you using random number generator from random.org. The winner is number five, who is Gary Bingaman II. So congratulations, Gary. You are the winner for this trade paperback giveaway. So make sure that you email us or tweet at Tim. Um, we ask that you give us an Amazon link to a DC trade paperback of $15 or less, and that's the best way. Make sure you include um, name and shipping information so that Tim can make sure that he gets that off to you as quickly as possible. All right, so Scott, we have been talking a long time. We have five more written reviews that we've gotten this past week, and uh, I'm going to bump these to the end of the show. I think that's a good plan. We need to get some of this news. Oh my goodness, we're getting a Deathstroke movie, possibly. (laughs) Okay, I just, I didn't bury the lead there. I just had to (laughs) go for it. Absolutely. Okay, so The Wrap was reporting this first. So, Umberto Gonzalez was saying that exclusively he'd learned that Gareth Evans, who was the writer and director of The Raid, is in early discussions to write and direct a Deathstroke solo movie that will still, as far as we're concerned, will still star Joe Meganello. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, Joe was, we thought, was supposed to show up in Justice League because he was going to tie into Ben Affleck's Batman movie and then those plans got changed. As far as we know. As far as we know. So, we were sitting there going, oh, Oh, what? Joe, where are you going to be? And apparently, he's getting, he, they're in talks for him to get his own movie. And then the Hollywood Reporter also confirmed this as well, and also re- reiterated that no deals have been completed yet with with uh, Gareth Evans and Joe Maganello. So this is still kind of in development, in talks. No contracts have been signed, so while we can get excited by this prospect, let's not, you know, put the cart in front of the horse yet. Right. Yeah, and that's something very important for you guys to know. Uh, very often often when we hear things like this, it, we don't make it clear to ourselves that these things are not set in stone yet. Just because you hear a rumor, you hear that things are going on, that there's discussions going on, does not mean this is definitely going to happen yet. So we got to keep that in mind. But, you know, we know that a couple different things have actually happened here, that these particular players, the director, Gareth Evans and Joe Manganiello, they're actually kind of teasing that they would definitely like to be involved in something like this. So what did Gareth actually send out on Instagram here? Oh, okay. Well, apparently, 
Sunday, three days before this news broke, Gareth Edwards uh, Instagrammed a picture of the book and mask set for uh, the second New 52 Deathstroke series that was uh, done by Tonius Daniel. And there was a box that came with a Deathstroke mask in the book. And he Instagrammed that out saying, I'm 37 years old. Well, 37 and a half. <laughs> and so a lot of people just thought he was being kind of geeky and like, oh, look at this cool thing I got. And then three days later, we find out that he's, you know, in talks to do a Deathstroke movie. And then we all went, ah, oh, the pieces come together. Yeah. And well, and then today, Joe Manganiello just tweeted out a picture without comment. And it was a picture of a close-up view of the Deathstroke mask, just the eye area. And it's this it's this cool little mask. And it looks to be the same shape as the one that we saw from that little clip that Ben Affleck had tweeted out, kind of teasing Manganiello's involvement in Justice League. It looks to be the same mask, but this is a close-up view. And you can just see this thing's all just kind of beat up and slashed. And it's very, where you know, just oh, looks great. Looks great. So uh, again, neither one of these people uh, at this point in time are confirmed to be part of this, but I think it's super exciting that Warner Brothers and DC Films is like, is just maybe possibly going forward with this idea of a Deathstroke film. I, I think it's brilliant. I think it's a power move if they can make this thing happen because there's so many possibilities you could do with these things. And especially if you take Gareth Evans. Now, you have not seen The Raid. I need to see The Raid now. What is wrong I with mean, you, Scott? I, Seriously. I, hey, it was just one of those movies that like you hear about, but nothing had like pushed it into my forefront. I mean, the, la- the last time I heard about The Raid was people comparing the the Carl Urban Dread movie to The Raid. Right. And that was the first time I had even heard of the film. But I just looked it up and you can get both The Raid and The Raid 2 for like 25 bucks on iTunes. So that's a purchase that's going to be happening in the very near future. So yeah, you need to get on this, Scott. I had to teach you about John Wick as well. And you did enjoy John Wick, right? Oh, well, and my best and one of my best friends was like, it was there too. So, you know, it wasn't just you. You don't get all the credit for John Wick. But, uh, but you know, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and I'm thinking, might we have an R-rated DCEU movie? Speculation begins. Yes, I, I think we might. Because that would be awesome. I think we might. So, of course, the all the, the questions come up here is, you know, is this going to be with the main banner of films where there's a shared continuity? Or could this be under this new unnamed banner? We don't know. I certainly hope it's part of the shared universe. I, I don't think there's any reason it shouldn't be. Oh, well, I, did, I didn't even consider it. I didn't even consider it being part of the other banner, to be honest with you. Yeah. I only thought about being part of the shared universe. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, uh, you know, I think it would make sense to do it. And, you know, we're kind of in an era where you could have, obviously, we've proven you can have R-rated films and be part of oh, a yeah. shared universe. And so, oh, man, guys, let's just hope this thing happens here. This can be awesome. Oh. The the things they could do with that. And and it to me, it's like it's a true villain that can kind of stand on his or her own. Because we, you know, we've talked, of course, you know, about a Joker solo movie. And then there was talk about a, a Deadshot movie possibly being in development a while ago. You know, those are a couple of uh, villains that can definitely stand on their own. But Deathstroke, my God, this would be one that would just kick some major butt. Oh, well, Deathstroke, I mean, Deathstroke has had his, has had multiple solo series. I mean, it's been proven in the comics that he can stand on his own. Right. And I mean, we'd love, we'd love us some Slade. Well, and not just that. I mean, you know, the DCCW with Arrow, I mean, they've established Deathstroke. So there's a certain fan base out there that are maybe even just like general fans that are definitely familiar with what and who Deathstroke is right now. And I go, you know, we always kind of feel like, you know, the things they do on the DCCW and the things they do in the animated films are just kind of prototypes or it's just kind of like, you know, little uh, trial balloons to kind of see what they can eventually do in the big screen. And, and I think this is just another case. I mean, Deathstroke, you know, with Manu Bennett on Arrow has just been phenomenal. Oh, fantastic. And then, and then, oh, I, I still, you have you still haven't seen the Judas Contract animated movie, have no, you? No, I haven't. Oh, Miguel Ferreira, I mean, rest in peace, was an amazing Deathstroke in that movie. And that was a great, another great example of what you can do with Deathstroke. So I am, I am super pumped for this news. Super pumped. And this is what I like about what DC Films is doing right now. I mean, you know, we remember we had that ambitious slate that was put out a few years ago. Films uh, kind of slotted all the way up through 2020. But we always hear constantly hear about other films that are being in development. And I like what they're doing right now. They're throwing lots of things out there. They're trying to get lots of things simultaneously in development. And when they see things are starting to like, you know, come together for something, that's where they finally decide, okay, we're going to go ahead and slot this. You know, this is where it's going to fit into our schedule. And, and this is just another example. I think it seems like they feel like they have something here with a lot of potential. And I would agree with them. Well, I'm excited for it. As much as I'm excited for our other big news that dropped today, Shazam! Yes. We have Shazam! Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. him. It has been officially revealed that Zachary Levi has been cast <laughs> as Shazam. And I am so 
so pleased with this. Oh, I, I loved Chuck. Yes. I loved Chuck. Chuck is great. He, I really, that was a great show. And, you know, the news got dropped by the Hollywood Reporter. That was the first time I saw it. And then I remember seeing people saying, hey, is this confirmed? And people were like, what's Hollywood Reporter? And then Sandberg goes out there on Instagram and shows a picture of Zach, Zachary holding up, you know, holding open his jacket with a Thundercat shirt on. And then he just says, insert lightning bolt on chest. Yeah. Going, there's your confirmation. Yeah. We have our Shazam. You know, I get Instagram notifications when David Sandberg posts something. And he posted one, and I was just getting ready to leave for work today. And it was just a picture of Shazam, and it had a, a note in front of it. One of those Shazam figures that he always posts in that little desk area. With, with the mountain of Coke cans? With the mountain of Coke cans. But it just had a little handwritten note that just said today with a couple explanation points. And so, and I tweeted it out. I'm like, okay, what does this mean? And I'm very curious. And so uh, the obvious speculation is like, you know, could we hear some casting news? Could we hear some casting news? And I kind of felt like, well, that's probably not on a Friday. That just seems like, you know, that wouldn't be when you do it. But man, just a half hour later. Were you wrong? <laughs> well, that's when the Boris Kit article came out. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, David Sandberg actually posted it on Instagram, the news. And it's like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, he, he wasn't even on my radar. Was he on your radar no, at all? No, no. I wasn't. I mean, here's the thing is that he's actually in Marvel right now. Yes. He's in Thor. Mm-hmm. I mean, he replaced, he was not in the first Thor movie. He was a recast when the, when, I don't even know the name, one of the, one of the Warriors 3, it, the guy who's the Prince Charming on Once Upon a Time on ABC. He left and then, then Zachary Levi took over for him in Dark World and apparently he's continued into Ragnarok, I think. And so I just think this is amazing. And then I saw a tweet earlier, uh, like after this news came out from his trainer yeah. who said he's already been working with him for like a month now on, on his training. So all those people who were of course, I think um, I think Jamie from over at Holy Backcast said the Gal Gadot effect is kicking in, where people are like, "He's not big enough," and it's like they're already they're they're <laughs> already working on that. I mean, who thought Chris Pratt would be able to go from Parks and Recreation to Star Lord? Right, right. Yeah, you know, it's called the gym. Oh, I'll tell you what. I mean, Zach Levi. I mean, I think such a perfect choice here. Really, if you kind of look at it, he's such a personable actor on screen. He's a nerd. He, 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 he's a nerd. yeah. He's a big gamer. I mean, there's like, there's so many things I kind of like about this guy. He's just got that like little boy, like he's somebody that you could believe is a boy inside a man's body. Like he's going to come off really well on that. And uh, man, I'm, I'm really excited. I, I can tell you what, like, I'm not like a big Shazam fan. I don't really have this like strong affinity for Shazam. I'm excited because it's going to be like a DC related film and all that. So I'm, I'm obviously, you know, excited to kind of watch this. And David Sandberg gets me kind of pumped up with, you know, he's very much engaged with the fan community. So I definitely like that part of it. But to, to, to get this kind of casting, like my excitement level just went to 10. So <laughs> I'm I'm super excited to kind of see where this goes. And then uh, David Sandberg was on Reddit because the man apparently doesn't shy away from any social media whatsoever. No. And he was uh, just responding to someone who asked about the film and Sandberg replied, April 2019. Mm-hmm. It takes a long time to make a visual effects heavy movie. So I had heard unconfirmed rumors that Shazam was going to be slotted for April 2019 and then Sandberg just came out and said yep so right now if everything holds 2019 we've got Shazam in April and Wonder Woman 2 in December yeah so wow I mean this is pretty exciting and you know with those two films in the same year I wonder if we'll actually get a connection with uh, Amazonian mythology you know I don't know it's it's always so weird because actually when you when you Shazam's an acronym for those of you who don't know but it's also a mixture of like Greek and Roman mythology right <laughs> In the in the different names, so I don't know because sometimes they play that up and sometimes they don't. Well, you got Zeus, so, right? I mean, Zeus is a, a you know, it's going to be a named Zeus character, is the Z. yeah, in Shazam, yeah. So it's a, it's a named character in both mythologies here. Now, remember, this is a new line film, but you know, we, our understanding this is this is going to be part of the you know the shared universe. Yeah, that's uh, that's our understanding, and I think Sandberg has pretty much yeah. said that as well. So so we at least have some confirmation from people in the know that they do intend for this to be a shared universe even though it's a new line uh, product so wow <laughs> this is going to be a lot of fun and and they had already talked about beginning filming early next year anyway so but yes and we were yeah. saying well if that's going to happen we're going to have to have some casting announced here real soon well it's apparently kind of been in the works well there you go who knows you know has this already been decided over a, you know a month ago 
possibly if he's been working out. Uh, he could have just been working out in general anyway. But yeah, so this is super exciting news. This is gonna be this is gonna be great. I'm excited for this. Now, um, a little brief, a little bit of news. Uh, Paris Comic Con happened today, apparently, and um, people who went to the Warner Brothers panel got to see like ten minutes of Justice League. So we've been warned there's spoilers floating around on the internet. We thankfully haven't seen them yet, but you know, be warned. St- you know, if you need to go into social media blackout and start putting like some block terms on your on your accounts, uh, now would be the time, apparently. But don't block us out because you know you know we don't like pour over spoilers. We know we don't. You know you know you know the, you know how spoiler allergic I am, and God, Brent's even worse. So you know what? It's he won't even listen to music. I'm like, oh, pff, screw that. I'll listen to music. <laughs> yeah, this is not gonna ruin it for me. That one actually did surprise me about Brent. He didn't want to listen to the one track that was released, <laughs> and we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but at this Paris Comic Con, there was a little featurette that apparently was played. Uh, it reiterated some of the DC film slate that we that we heard about back at Comic Con uh, in July, and so that mentioned Suicide Squad 2, The Batman, Shazam, Flashpoint, and Wonder Woman 2. And uh, this uh, this is all coming from the Aquaman Shrine on Twitter. And they also mentioned that no dates were given. So same thing. We've got titles, we don't have dates. But these are all the ones that we knew were kind of in the works here. And we've most recently heard that Suicide Squad 2 was definitely moving along here. So I, I think that was kind of like the only new piece of confirmation here. Well, let's let's go on to the main event. Yes. Justice League. If you didn't know, tickets are on sale. Where have you been for the last two days? Uh, they went on sale in the States on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, there was a little bit of drama because Fandango stopped working for a little bit there. Uh, conflicting reports about why Fandango stopped working. But uh, let's just say that if you want to get a really cool poster, at least that poster I think is cool. Brent and Tim are a little sourpusses about it, but I'm super <laughs> excited about it. You can buy your tickets through Fandango, pay shipping and handling, and you'll get a poster on your way. My wife is very jealous. She wants one too. And I'm like, honey, I can't get another one. It only works if you buy a ticket. And she was like, buy another ticket. Oh, what a dilemma you have there. I know. I mean, do I want to go see the movie again? Yes. Probably. <laughs> well, so that's cool. Yeah, I bought my tickets. Uh, I'm going to the IMAX screen. You're going to meet up with some friends over by Chicago. I'm going to be doing that Wednesday night, Thursday night, actually, at 6.05 p.m. Uh, I'm going 9 o'clock on Thursday night and then 2 o'clock Friday afternoon. So f- as long as everything goes, the, fr- the Friday afternoon's a definite. The Thursday night is, I'm rolling the dice on that one. Well, hopefully I can make it. Yes. Well, and then, like we said, the Fandango was down for a little bit. Fandango was claiming that it was scheduled maintenance and had nothing to do with Justice League crashing their website. I don't know how much about that, I believe, because they want to say, oh, they were just down for a few minutes. No, I checked. A lot. It was down for a lot more than a few minutes. Let the conspiracy theories begin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Warner Brothers released a new TV spot uh, that specifically called out the fact that uh, tickets were on sale on Fandango. And Regal Cinemas, if you are a Regal Cinema customer, has announced that they will be doing a double feature with Wonder Woman and Justice League. The mini marathon will be held on November 16th uh, and will begin at 3 p.m. And it, the showing is billed at 4 hours and 22 minutes. More about runtime later, because that was a whole hot pile of ridiculousness I dealt with over the weekend. Yeah, so that Regal thing, let me just ask you, because I, I didn't read the news on this one. So that's on Wednesday? Did I hear that right? No, that's Thursday, 16th. Okay. That's Thursday. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things where, like, they'll start it at 3, so then Justice League can start around 6, like, apparently all... Apparently 6-ish is the, the you know, the the first Thursday showing. Right. So the idea is that you can see Wonder Woman, I assume, get a little bit of a pee break, and then go see Justice League. All right, so we actually have the score and the soundtrack is now available for pre-order. And, uh, in fact, uh, if you go to a couple different places, like I think Entertainment Weekly had it and a couple other sites, but you can actually get the track listing for the entire score. And there's an awful, like, I, how many were there all together, Scott? I mean, there must have been like 20. 20, 20, oh, hold on. You know, you would ask this and I would not be prepared, but, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's it's like 24, 25, because something that was revealed, because I'd already pre-ordered the, the physical CD from Amazon like weeks ago, but what was just revealed is that the physical release will be a two-disc uh, release, similar to uh, BVS, in that it is 27 tracks and the last three tracks are full-length bone uh, two of them are full-length bonus tracks of tracks that appear on the regular album and then another bonus track and that will all appear on the second disc yeah so 27 tracks three of them are bonus tracks and then three of those 24 are actual songs like not score and that's a that's something different I mean that's not they didn't do that with man of steel they didn't do that with BVS you had the one song for Wonder Woman, but they will have Icky Thump by White Stripes, which we heard in the Comic 
Comic-Con preview. Uh, there'll be this Sigrid's Everybody Knows. I'm not familiar with the song, to be honest with you. And then, of course, the Gary Clark Jr. Come Together cover will be included on the actual soundtrack album. So, like like Tim said, um, Entertainment Weekly was the one who kind of broke the news with the track that, that's called Heroes Theme, composed by Danny Elfman. You can listen to it there. If you go to Watertown Music, you can you can listen to it there. And if you, you can also listen to it on Spotify now. And if you pre-order the album on iTunes, you get an automatic download of Heroes Theme. Nice. Now, um, did you actually read through the track listen at all, Scott? I've glanced through it. Like, I haven't studied it, but I also haven't avoided it either. Okay. So, yeah, I, I haven't really studied either, but uh, I would say there is definitely one title that I can connect the dots on. And so I would say if you are adverse to learning any kind of plot points, I would just avoid the track list. There is one that I think kind of answers a question in my mind. Okay. Well, then obviously I have not paid close enough attention. And if I've seen it because I haven't studied it, I've just kind of let my brain kind of glance over it. But yeah, that's what I would suggest. Uh, Now there was for a limited time, and I think you can still find it on YouTube. There is a track called Friends and Foes, which is the track that Danny Elfman hinted at where he said that he was subtly going to use the John Williams Superman score in a darker way. Yeah, Danny, that wasn't subtle at all. No. <laughs> it wasn't subtle, and I didn't picture it all that dark either. I didn't either, to be honest with yeah. you. And there was no subtleness about it. It's like, no, that that's, that's <laughs> Williams. That's yeah. Williams. Yeah. There's no denying that. Um, I know there are some people who are upset by the use of the Williams score because of how blatant it is in that track. Um, can I just right now go, I'm just waiting to hear what the rest of the score looks like. I mean, that's those were two tracks off of a 27-track album. I'm holding out to hear what the rest of the score sounds like. Right. I am too. Now, I mean, I would say, like, I prefer Hans Zimmer over Danny Elfman. You know, I just like, I like the kind of stuff that Hans Zimmer produces more. The two tracks that I've heard, I don't enjoy them as much as I do the Hans Zimmer stuff, but I mean, I'm going to just, you know, I need to hear these things in context. I need to hear how it's like, you know, mixed in with the film. Uh, Because sometimes, you know, when you hear these things, like, standalone, they they don't really quite make as much sense until you actually see it tied in with some visuals. So uh, I'm going to definitely hold out judgment on this thing. And I'm just talking about hearing the entire album. Like, I need to hear what every piece sounds like because I am a Danny Elfman fan. I mean, my son and I have been, my son and now is hooked on The Nightmare Before Christmas. So I've been hearing a lot of Elfman lately. So I just need to hear, you know, they they picked the one track that they were going to release. And hopefully iTunes will do that thing that the closer it gets to release, uh, they'll kind of start start releasing a few more tracks. But right now, digitally, you'll be able to get the album as of November 10th. They're actually not releasing the physical release until after the movie comes out. So that's di- that's different unless they decide to move it up. But I don't think they are. So that's a that's some different tack than what they've done before with the soundtrack albums. Well, I think that's just in general, that's kind of more of a strategy you see nowadays. I mean, they're trying to move people more over towards digital. And this is the way to do it. So. Yeah, well, I, I bought both. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a whore like that. Yes, I are. did it. <laughs> <laughs> like that and a lot of other ways as well. Uh, what can I say? Um, should we talk about the runtime? Do we really need to talk about this? <sighs> I think we need to address it just to say we addressed it. Um, okay, so there was some controversy, as there always seems to be, <laughs> uh, especially last weekend as people were dropping information of they've confirmed certain runtimes. And you know what? We still have not gotten like an actual runtime from Warner Brothers. We've not gotten a runtime on Fandango the last time I checked. Movie theater chains all over the world were having runtimes all over the dang place. But right now, it seems to have settled on Justice League is going to run, you know, in its entirety, including credits, at 119 minutes, which is one hour and 59 minutes. Which, by comparison, would make it the shortest DCEU film, because that's the headline everyone wants to go with, because Man of Steel was 143 minutes, BVS uh, theatrically was 153 minutes, Suicide Squad was 123 minutes, and Wonder Woman was 141 minutes. Yeah. So, chill out, let's wait and see the movie. It is the third part of a trilogy. I mean, like, it doesn't have to be a super long. I feel like BVS kind of laid a lot of pipe there. It did, yeah. As far as character development is concerned. And I want, I, I shared it on Twitter, but I want to plug it. Greg Katzman, a friend of the show, wrote a really nice article about why you should chill out about the runtime on Justice League. And, and I would just recommend that people go check it out. You can look for it on my Twitter feed. I retweeted it. And I think it's really, I think it's a really well done piece. Uh, Greg's been on the show before. And so just a shout out to him. And 
you know, hey guys, movies used to be two hours. Yeah. That that used to be the norm. And I did participate in the whole, back when we thought it was going to be 121 minutes, I did participate in the whole hashtag 121 minute movies. Uh, just all these great movies that are two hours long and they didn't bother us then. And I'm just going to wait and see what the movie's like today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all this stuff, I and mean, when we talk about soundtrack and we talk about the uh, movie length and things like that, I mean, you have to see the complete package when it's done. You know, that's when you make a judgment. I, I guess that's a message we're trying to say here is don't get freaked out over anything like this. I, I've seen so many people this past week getting upset over certain things. And, you know, you can have your opinions. Like, I mean, I voiced my opinion that, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Elfman's work. I, I enjoy it, but I'm not the biggest fan of it being applied to these films. But that doesn't mean it's not going to be great. Uh, you know, I, I don't know yet. I haven't seen it. So that's all we're really saying is like, you know, don't get freaked out over this stuff. You know, when, you know, when you've watched the film and afterwards, after the credits roll, you get to sit there and think about, okay, what did I think of all this thing? That's when you can really kind of solidify your opinions. Up to right now, it's just speculation. Yeah. And we've also got some early tracking numbers, which I feel like you're going to start to solidify into something a little bit more accurate now that tickets have actually gone on sale. Right. But with three weeks left to go, Hollywood Reporter is reporting tracking at about 110 to 120 million domestic opening weekend, according to early surveys. Uh, That would put it under uh, BVS, which did eventually have 166 million opening weekend, and Suicide Squad, which had a $133.7 million opening weekend. However, box office observers do note that Warner has yet to make its final marketing push, and I don't know what they mean by this, but Thor Ragnarok is obscuring tracking. I don't know how that works, because I really don't understand how this box office tracking works, but right now, because they are so close in release, apparently they can't get a really clear picture on Justice League box office numbers quite yet. Plus the fact tickets just went on sale on Wednesday. Yeah, in in the past when we've looked at these things, these things always go up from these initial estimates anyway. So, um, uh, again, don't get freaked out over this. I think Wonder Woman came in at, what, 103? And it wasn't originally projected to be... 80-something. Yeah. yeah. And Wonder Woman ended up just having such strong word of mouth that it just kept going. So, again, this is just another thing. Don't get freaked out one way or the other. Don't get overly enthused one way or the other at this. It it is what it is. Um, You know, (laughs) we're not going to know until we actually see the film, like, how well this thing's going to do. So, apparently, there's been some early screenings, Scott. Really? Has there? I mean, I... Once again, I'm, 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 I'm starting my... My, my slowly shutting down where I just <laughs> I just don't look at things anymore. I'm, I'm going to be honest. So tell me about them. Okay. So Scott, there were some early screenings over at the China tour that's going on right now. And so some fans, and we'll say that these are, you know, ultra fans, were able to see 30 minutes of the film. And, uh, and I'm not going to go into the details because I don't want to, I mean, I wouldn't consider them spoilers, but I would say it kind of gives you an idea of the things they're kind of going for the film. If you are a Zack Snyder fan, everything I read here makes it sound like the depths of some of the themes and the visuals and those kind of things are still very much in the film. Like if you're a Zack Snyder fan, it sounds like you're going to appreciate what these fans were able to see in the film. So that's that's real encouraging to me. But overall, the reactions were very, very positive. But, you know, we would always caution you when you have like the hyper fans seeing pre-screenings. I, I think the reactions are always over the top. But nevertheless, I'm still very encouraged when I hear, you know, fans really liked what they saw. So that's always a good sign. So and I guess probably out of there is where some of these spoilers might have come out uh, that are floating on Twitter right now. So again, just be careful about where you tread. Lockdown. <laughs> Beware, there be spoilers here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, speaking of China, they got some awesome posters. Oh my I gosh. wish these were in English. Yeah. <sighs> I'd l- I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I think these are my favorite posters. These are my favorite posters so far. They have these, I don't even know. Silhouette? in a way yeah. you know it's like it's oh it's just art it's it's art. beautiful art these are great these are these are not like these are not the kind of things that tell you like oh you're about ready to go see a superhero film these are the kind of things you put in your in your house in your office in your like things where you want to have like a this is something like you would see in like a, a lawyer's uh office hanging up on the wall they're just really beautiful god i want that bat i want them all but that batman one that looks like the dark knight returns cover i want that one the most of all yeah no these are great but uh, that and the wonder woman the, the that and the wonder woman one Oh. Yeah, I mean, I like the Batman one the most, and then I like the Cyborg one and the Aquaman quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all, they're all, that's they're the, all really they're, great. They're all great. There's no duds. Yeah. I just wish they were in English. <laughs> it's halfway in English. Oh, you know what? Or I just wish there were no words on them. I just want the I just want the picture. Yeah. That's all I want. Yeah. I, we'll tweet these things out because uh, it's us describing something that you can't see right now, but th- I think these are things are great. I, I, I think these are the best ones they put out yet. I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. Got such great character in a, in a 
a just a wonderful look to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the, the point is that after the the Photoshop monstrosities we talked about last week, <laughs> it was like it was like they heard us and it's like, oh, you want illustrated posters? Here you go. <laughs> and we just got inundated with some beautiful artwork this week. Now, uh, Scott and I were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, I was trying to put my finger on this thing. Like, where have I seen posters like this before? They kind of harken back to the classic, and I can't remember the guy you'd mentioned him uh, that did the Star Wars posters. Drew Struzman. Yeah, Drew Struzman. So it, it kind of harkens back to that a little bit, but it's also kind of unique, and it's it's very much kind of comic book art-oriented as well. But really nice posters, and I'm zooming in on this uh, Fandango one, and that art is just really fantastic in that. Well, I'm glad you finally are starting to appreciate it a little bit. But I'm a, I'm a fan of that poster. I can't wait uh, to have that one on my wall. I'm not that big of a fan of the IMAX poster. I'm just, I don't like the art style that's being used. It's just not for me. Um, I like the Dolby, if you can look up the Dolby Cinema one from AMC, that one's pretty cool. That's a little bit more of like a montage poster, but it being illustrated instead of being Photoshop, I think saves it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. That If this was Photoshopped, I would hate it. I can tell you that right now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but, you know, I really appreciate this artwork quite a bit. It's just so unique. Like, I, I can't really remember seeing, like, superhero movie posters that were artwork like this. I mean, I'm sure there were probably some, but, like, nothing like that was so dominant in a marketing campaign. No. And then, of course, there's the Mondo poster uh, that was done by Lee Bermejo that um, if anyone's in Austin in the next week or so and wants to... Um, swing by. You know, I, I wouldn't mind because th- I love me some Lee Mayo and that poster is pretty and I'm nowhere near Austin, Texas, so I can't get that. Is that the only place they're having them? Is just at that show? Yeah, it's it there there's like they're like limited to like 400 and you have to go to MondoCon in Austin to get a copy of it. Oh, okay. So, I'm sure they'll be on eBay. I'm sure they'll be exorbitant, yeah. but I so want one. Well, and, and they'll have to start selling them at some point, wouldn't you imagine? You would I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So, these are really cool. I, I this what I, I really enjoyed this with every DCEU film so far. Like every marketing campaign has been kind of like it's, it has its own character, distinctly different. I mean, this you know, Suicide Squad was very unique. I mean, they were going for these little pastel yes, colors, and uh, a lot of the motifs they used were just like unlike anything you'd ever seen. And you know, the Batman v Superman, they had a lot of those really cool character posters, and those IMAX posters were great. Yes, they were. The, some of these are really fantastic. I I just I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing with this. <laughs> I love how we went from griping about it last week to go and this is wonderful this week. <laughs> well, this is what we want to see. This is what we want to see, yes. We don't want to see Photoshop, like just hodgepodge posters. I mean, either like, you know, artwork like this or just something very stylish and has just something that has a lot more character. And uh, these are great. These are great. The Wonder Woman posters were great too. So these, you know, I don't know if it's all the same people developing these things for the different films and all that for Warner Brothers, but I mean, I enjoy seeing this stuff kind of roll out as much as like all the stuff leading up to the film. Uh, now, by the way, if we haven't said enough on the show. Have you been on Vero? Have you joined Vero? You should join Vero. You should follow Zack Snyder on Vero because the man was just dropping picture after picture after picture. Every day it's something new. Oh yeah. Oh, and multiple pictures in a day. You know, we have the new Zack attack. You know, if you don't know what that is, like around the time of Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition, there was a, a screen grab of him holding the uh, the kryptonite grenade gun and that started some Zack attack uh, memes. Well now we've got Zack with a bow and arrow, obviously showing when the Amazon how to shoot the arrow and then there's another one with a spear and then there's some awesome footage of his son Eli helping film some of the um, Victor's football days that apparently we're going to see in the movie and then just all kinds of beautiful pictures there's a great one of Aquaman there's some awesome ones of him in a tie and a suit he even said like come to work in a tie every day hashtag cufflinks it was oh just if you're not a Vero go get on Vero and go look at these pictures Zach is just dropping it's so subtle and I love it. Yeah. I, I love the one uh, I took of Jason Momoa in the tank of water. Yes. That was great. Great composition on that one. And, uh, you know, the Zack Attack ones, I, I really think he is fully aware of the Zack Attack memes and all that. And I kind of feel like he purposely put a couple out just so that he can get more of those. <laughs> we know what you're doing, Zack. I love the bow and arrow oh, one. Yeah. I love I, I love the one that put him in the Justice League poster right. as Green Arrow. <laughs> as Green Arrow. That was, that that was, was great. That was great. Oh, man, that was good. I, I've just enjoying this so much. I really am. But yeah, just just jump on Vero, 
man. He keeps putting these things out every day, and it's just it's so fun to kind of see this stuff, you know. And it's not spoilerish; it's just behind the scenes stuff, you know, leading up to this film. And then over on Mercedes Benz Instagram account, uh, they've always done like really ever since Batman v Superman, they've done like targeted marketing with little tie-in comics that really aren't continuity, but they're just kind of fun. And so Mercedes Benz has been releasing a six-part digital comic series on their Instagram. The first one was called Joyride and featured um, Cyborg and the Flash. The second one called Guiding Light has featured Cyborg and Wonder Woman. And they, they, they're they featuring like the, the different Mercedes-Benz cars we talked about in a previous episode. So if you just want to read some fun little comic stuff, apparently you can follow Mercedes-Benz on Instagram. So uh, we actually have somebody that identified uh, a little tie-in to the 1978 Superman the movie film that's actually going to be in this Justice League film. You mean besides this? You mean besides the Superman music show? <laughs> besides the Superman music, yeah. This is actually an actor that was uh, a very well well known actor, or at least familiar actor that was in Superman the movie. Uh, is actually has a really small part in this film as well. And the Squadcast Network's very own Ray Smith was the one that figured this out. And the actor is Mark McClure, who actually played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeve films. And there's a little scene in the park, and I think this is the scene where uh, Cyborg actually jumps in and stops some vehicle from smashing into this officer. Well, the officer is actually Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen. And that is so awesome. And when I saw the picture, I was like, oh yeah, of course it's Mark. You know, yeah. Apparently, I just didn't pay enough attention to the moving to the moving clip, but once I saw the picture, I was like, well, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even until the most, like, I think this was like one of the AT&T feature clips, because you never really saw this officer from the front in the previous trailers. It was just in this little featurette that you saw it. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and, and Ray Smith does not miss anything, and uh, he did not miss this. Oh, wow. Well, good on you, Ray. You know, um, there was also a Jason Momoa interview in Total Film Magazine, and he, he, he retreads a lot of ground we've already talked about before, but he did make a comment about Aquaman's relationship with Cyborg, and his comment was, me and Cyborg don't get along at all. I don't trust him as far as I can throw him, and over time, that will change. It's the same thing with Bruce. I'm like, nah, I'm not buying into it, which is pretty much the feeling we've gotten from the trailers. Like, he's the reluctant member of the League. He is, yeah. But I, I never kind of, like, pictured him, like, having issues with Cyborg, but I think that's awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm hoping we get, like, I hope we get something like some little interaction between those two because I think that's what we're going to expect from Jason Momoa's character at first. So we'd already been kind of hearing that uh, Aquaman was wrapping up. I think we talked about that last week from Jason Momoa. Well, Amber Heard was sharing some pictures on her Instagram that looked like the two of them were having a grand old time. <laughs> Lots of wine involved. Lots of booze. And also uh, James Wan posted on Twitter to officially say, holy mackerel, you scampy serious. That's finally a principal photography wrap on Aquaman. Thank you to an awesome cast and crew. And this was on <laughs> October 21st. And the fish puns just keep on rolling. I, I had no idea he was so much into puns. <laughs> well, he did have a whale of a time last week. He did have a whale of a time. And of course, uh, the, the production name was Ahab. Yeah, well, that, that, that's very appropriate. Yeah, it's very appropriate. So that's awful cool. Now, they have quite a bit of time before this actually comes out. Yeah, so even though we've had a little bit of a teaser of Aquaman footage over at the Paris Comic Con, I mean, they still have a ton to do in this thing. This is going to be pretty uh, special effects heavy. But so it's cool that they're done at this point. And there's just going to be a ton of work done putting this all together now. But man, I can't believe it. It seemed like we just started this film. It didn't seem like it wasn't all that long ago. I know. It's But you know what? They started like right after Batman v Superman came out. Like they were like pre-production had already pre-production, started. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, on October 25th, Patty Jenkins was participating in a Q&A at the Directors Guild of America that was being held with Richard Donner, who literally passed the baton to Patty Jenkins. <laughs> so that was that seemed appropriate, especially for how much uh, Patty Jenkins referenced uh, Donner's Superman movie during her m- production of Wonder Woman. Well, and you know, it really is too, because I mean, that Superman film that Donner did was like the first, you know, real contemporary film. Uh, you know, we're not counting the serials that were done in the 40s and 50s and all, but I mean, that was like the first film done for Superman. That kind of defined Superman for a, an entire generation of people. And that's exactly what Patty's been able to do with Wonder Woman as well. So yeah, it's very appropriate. Okay, so during the China press tour, uh, Gal Gadot was being interviewed and she kind of dropped a little bit of a bombshell. I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective on Wonder Woman and her backstory. Um, but a, her quote was regarding that line from BVS that we've all kind of talked about, how she said at Clark's funeral that um, she walked away from humanity for 100 years. And basically her realization with Patty during the making of the Wonder Woman film was that's not right. That line didn't sit well with her with the character 
character that they established in the Wonder Woman film. And then part of her quote was, sometimes in a creative process, you establish something that is not necessarily the right decision, but then you can always correct it and change it. Wonder Woman will always be there as far as she's concerned for mankind. Yeah. Now, you've talked about this thing that's like you couldn't reconcile going from Batman v Superman to Wonder Woman and how Wonder Woman ended. Like, you know, well, what happened? Because she said, you know, she'd walked away for a hundred years. I always kind of looked at that and I didn't like make a big deal out of that because, you know, obviously we knew she was going to come back at some point in between, you know, the Wonder Woman film and the events of Batman v Superman. And we're hearing that that might be like a, a 1980s, you know, style Cold Wars. Uh, I never really had a problem with that because, I mean, you could parse those words a lot of different ways. You could say, well, she was being kind of figurative and not literal, you know, that kind of thing. You can, you know, there's a lot of ways you can kind of explain that away. I just didn't think that was such a big deal because she's obviously going to walk away at some point because if if she was truly like Wonder Woman from like 1917 all the way up to Batman v Superman was active, I mean, people would know that there's a superpowered woman out there that's lived for many generations. And so obviously she's not as active as like, you know, she, she's been somewhat secluded from mankind, you know, and maybe not in a public sense. So I, I was kind of felt like you, you can easily kind of fit those two together, like the way that ended in Batman v Superman. Um, you're, you're being a little bit more kinder than I am, to be honest with you. I'm, I know why they're doing it, that, but, you know, it's the idea of Gall and Patty have decided this is the way they want the character to be, which does not necessarily drive with that backstory that was given in Batman v Superman, and so basically they're moving forward and changing it. So, okay, they're changing it, but, you know, somehow, for my own continuity's sake, I'm gonna need some sort of connective tissue that makes that still make sense. Even if they want to say it was a mistake, which I think actually in another part of her quote, she actually says, she says that that was a mistake. Um, You're still going to have to reconcile it, in my opinion. I I don't want them to just ignore it, is my deal. Well, that's what she says. You can always correct it and change it. I mean, mean, you know the players involved. I mean, uh, Jeff Johns is going to be heavily involved in this, you know, connected universe. And he's kind of the master at taking all these things that didn't really make sense and making them make sense together. You know, so I mean, it's, you know, they're going to, they're going to kind of reconcile this thing. They're just, I don't think they're going to leave it as like this major loose end. Like it'll, it'll be parsed together somehow. But I mean, I guess I think my point was basically like, you know, she obviously couldn't have been active as kind of like a, uh, as a public figure for a hundred years because, you know, then that would take away like uh, the surprise of like a Superman coming to the, to the world, the first super, you know, super powered being coming to the planet. Like clearly whatever she does in that hundred years, she's not going to be out there in the open to an extended period of time. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, you know, I, they're acknowledged. It's almost in one way that it almost validates my my cognitive dissonance with the end of Wonder Woman going, this doesn't fit. And actually, they're coming saying, no, it doesn't fit because we're making changes to it. So in, in some way, it, it almost validates my criticism of the end of Wonder Woman. Not as in it's a it's like it's a bad ending, but that, yeah, it doesn't match up with BVS. And so it's like, OK, I wasn't crazy for thinking that. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, just being such fans of the source material and comic continuity errors and that kind of thing and issues is like I'm so used to things never completely matching up right because you you know you go from one creative team to another and it, this is very much the same way <laughs> so either way I, I know they're gonna they're gonna figure out some way to reconcile all of it well and I hope and that's my hope yeah I want them to reconcile it just don't ignore it and that's my point so Scott we got a little bit of news about Suicide Squad 2 now this actually comes from my entertainment world which is I, I don't know if this is actually a published magazine but it's uh we always refer to it uh, on in its online presence but they actually list different things about when production is going to start on certain movies and films. And this one indicates that Suicide Squad 2, that production is going to pick up real soon, and they have it here in the middle of March of 2018. So just like five months away. And so that actually kind of jives because we've, you know, we know we have a director uh, for the film. And at this point in time, any kind of delays that we've heard is always been kind of associated, well, this actor wasn't available or that actor wasn't available. So depending on what kind of story they're telling and what actor is going to be part of this thing, you know, maybe they've kind of figured something out, or maybe some of these actors have reworked their schedules so that they can get working on this film a little bit earlier. So who knows if this is to be believed that it's going to be around uh, March of 2018, then maybe Will Smith is available because he was reportedly the one that, you know, was kind of causing some of the scheduling problems before. Okay. Well, well I'm, I'm still excited about the, with, with the, with the talk of Gavin O'Connor being the, the writer director. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm all on board. I'm, I'm ready for Suicide Squad 2. And I'm hoping that Suicide Squad 2 is more what I was hoping Suicide Squad 1 was going to be. That's kind of where I'm I'm landing on this. Well, on this one too, I mean, with how much money that film made and just the impact it had on pop culture, I mean, you know they want to jump 
on this thing quickly. So uh, whatever they're doing, they're they're trying to get this thing moving quickly. So Scott, we're going to go ahead and end this episode here, but let's talk about something that just kind of like was hitting today. <laughs> and this one actually kind of surprised me. Like I didn't understand where all this was coming from. And I was actually pretty surprised by some of the reactions from, you know, people that I consider to be pretty respectable. I was surprised at some of the reactions. And this actually has to do with, well, how did this really come about? There was somebody that actually posted something and I'm not even sure who this person is. I don't know who this person is either, but his name was Vaughn at, at, at I'm a film editor on Twitter. And he was replying to Batman news and said that the iTunes print of Batman v Superman has now changed its color palette. And um, he stipulated to match the tone of Justice League. Hashtag filmmaking. That's where I kind of went, mm, there's a lot of editorializing there. <laughs> yeah. But he did post four comparison shots of what Batman v Superman looks like on your Blu-ray, on your Voodoo, on your Amazon, and what it did look like on iTunes before this change. And I was kind of curious. I wasn't sure what was going on. So I actually brought up my iTunes and I looked at it. And then I brought up my Voodoo and I looked at it and I brought my Amazon and I looked at it. And I was like, yep, this is different. This this is, the colors are considerably different on iTunes compared to every other version of the film that I own. And I kind of posted about it. And all I said was, I can confirm the alteration. I can't, I mean, I don't know the reason why, but I can confirm that it happened. And then that got me into a conversation with Stephen Colbert from Screen Rant, who suggested that maybe it has something to do with the fact that iTunes is upgrading their stuff to HDR, which I'm not that technical into that kind of stuff. So, Tim, could you kind of talk a little bit what HDR is? Yeah, I mean, HDR is just basically high dynamic range. And, and actually, the way you kind of explained it earlier today is, is, is I, th- I think, pretty clear. Like, if you go... F- well, it wasn't me. I, I want to give credit. It wasn't me. It was um, Michael Gray, at only underscore Gray on Twitter, actually jumped on and gave this really great layman's explanation about what HDR does to film. Well, why don't you actually convey it? Because I thought it was so simplistic uh, that it was easy to understand. Okay, so Michael said this on Twitter. Look at it like this. With HD, you have 100 steps in any color to get from black to white. With HDR, you now have 1,000 steps from black to white. So with HD, when your color starts to get towards either end, it has fewer steps before it either crushes or falls to black or blows out to white. So images will look more colorful because there are more shades of each color to see. Right, yeah. So that's a great explanation. And uh, so we know that that's one of the deal that iTunes is trying to do because, I mean, iTunes always tries to be out in front of like, you know, kind of having the highest quality of whatever. And we know that uh, that's one of the big things with their new 4K uh, Apple TV was basically HDR, which is really the biggest, the the biggest, most important thing of that new Apple TV was that it was uh, supportive HDR. And I think I'm guessing that's probably what this is all about, because when I saw this all hit, I, you know, as I was putting my son to sleep, I, I flipped on Voodoo and I picked a couple scenes and looked at it. And uh, so I, I looked at the film there and then I looked at it on iTunes and th- there was a difference. But what I saw was it was just it was clearer. It was brighter, but it I don't I didn't perceive it as brighter because something had changed to purposely try to make the film brighter. What I noticed is the things that were kind of like in darker shaded areas in Batman v Superman, you know, especially like the scenes toward the end there. It was there was a lot of like, you know, dark scenes and most of it, you can't really see what's going on because, you know, they kind of intentionally the, the what you're supposed to be seeing is kind of lit up a little bit more. Like when they were showing Doomsday, you, you could see Doomsday pretty clear and all the rest of it around of them was pretty dark. What I saw in this is you I was starting to notice details that I never saw before. And and it was just because things were just clearer. And I think that's what I think that's what's actually going on. Now, I, I we're just kind of speculating here because we don't know. Uh, but, the, you know, it, what there is a difference. I didn't think it was because of the difference in the video player between iTunes and Voodoo, because there are differences there. Uh, if you're looking at it on your phone, Voodoo's basically their app to playback films is always inferior to uh, anything iTunes does. And that's just because I don't think they stream as much data. And so it's it's not as high resolution. But what I was seeing was I was actually seeing more clarity uh, that I normally wouldn't see with the iTunes. So I'm guessing this is probably HDR converted. Now, we'll just have to sit back and see if that's exactly what it was. But I had no problem with what I saw. Now, Scott, you mentioned that uh, 
you you didn't like the funeral scene. You felt like it was too bright. Uh, it it didn't bother me at all. Well, I know it didn't bother you at all, but it. But here's the thing for me. Like I, the reason I wanted to bring this up was because I didn't jump to the idea that they had that there was some conspiracy to make a purposeful alteration of colors in the film. Yeah, that is silly. That that was silly to me. I, which is why I appreciated Stephen Colbert jumping in and then Michael Gray jumping in and saying, "Okay, no, there's actually like a really good technical reason why this probably happened." But here was the point I made because I only uh, I picked the funeral scene because it was the easiest one for me to find. My issue is yes, it's brighter. Yes, there's more color, but to me that changes the tone of the scene, and that bothers me in a way that I remember the scene a certain way from the way I saw it in the theater and the way I saw it on Blu-ray and the way that I've seen it in all my digital copies. And now the iTunes is different. And in my opinion, subjectively, in my opinion, it changes the tone, it changes the feeling and the mood that I get from watching that scene. And that's the part that bugs me. So, because, I mean, Zack Snyder is a filmmaker who I feel like takes a lot of time with color correction. So, yes, you've upgraded this thing to HDR, but has has that jimmied with the colors in the way that maybe that wasn't what the filmmaker intended. And that's my concern because it is a different picture. It is different colors. And I get a completely different feel when I watch that scene, when I watch it where the sky is very blue-blue and it doesn't kind of have a little bit more of that wash over it that, I'm going to be honest, I kind of expect from Zack Snyder. I expect a little bit of a wash when it comes to a Snyder film. And it's missing now in the iTunes version. And I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't bother me. It does bother me. It just in that, was that what the filmmaker intended the film to actually look like and how it affects my viewing of the scene? I'm not saying it looks terrible. And I've only watched literally that one scene at the end at Clark's funeral. But it's that, it, it's the intention, it's the, it's the original intent, I think is the point I'm getting to. That it, it, it gnaws at me. And so my question is, with this HDR conversion, is something I have to go back, like, I don't like the idea of my movie being tweaked. Like, I bought it, this was the way the movie was, and now you're changing the movie on me without me buying, like, a different, quote, version of the film. And now I'm just kind of like, mm, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Actually, I know how I feel about that. I'm not, I'm not fond of it right now. Well, I, I think you're going to need to give it a chance for the whole film. Because, I mean, when the little bits that I saw, I, I didn't see it as, like, changing the color as much as changing the clarity. And that's the kind of the, what my perception was. But, 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 but there were distinct color differences. You, you can't deny that. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I'm still not entirely certain exactly what I was seeing because I can't on a phone compare Voodoo to iTunes. You can on a TV, but you can't on a phone. See, like, I could on, I could on my phone, and, and I'm saying... No, no, I see a difference, but there's always a difference. Like, no, see, there's not to me... But you've always said there's a difference. I never have seen this difference. This was a difference I saw. Oh, yeah. The Voodoo app is inferior. There's no doubt about well, it. Well, you say that, and I, you know what? I, I don't... I, it doesn't bother. It, it's never bothered me whatsoever. But this is a distinct difference that changes what I remember seeing from the film. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong to feel that way. I'm just like I I I'd want to see the whole film to see like what I'm seeing is you know what what am I seeing that's different? Like, is it really changing how I feel about the film? I my just immediate reaction in the few scenes I looked at is like I just saw things clearer for some reason, and so I did appreciate that. Well, I'll have to look at. I'll I, I will have to sit down and watch the entire movie. I mean, I did. See see it recently. The last time I watched it was Labor Day. So, you know, I, I'll have a very clear memory of, okay, this is what it looked like last time I watched it on iTunes. How's it look this time? Yeah. So anyway, so stay tuned. We'll, we'll see, uh, we'll see if any additional news comes out of that, but, uh, I, I just, I'm afraid this thing's going to blow up into something that is the typical ridiculousness that we get with these films. All right. So we actually have, we, we this has been a long episode. This is what happens when we start griping about the fact that we go like two or three weeks with like 30 minute episodes. Crap like this happens and we end up with like an hour and a half long episode but as we promised we still have five new itunes reviews to read that puts us five into our next contest of 10 yep so let's start off with the first one this is from ando 4204 and it's titled five star podcast ando says awesome podcast these two know they're dc and don't get caught up in all the crazy rumors that follow the dc universe thank you suicide squad cast for delivering a great show every week the next one comes from the roadie remix entitled 
Perfect DC Podcast. I'll keep this short and sweet. If you're a DC fan at all, you should definitely listen to this podcast. You will not be disappointed. And the third one comes from Earth One Gary. Hi, Gary. Yeah. Must listen DC Podcast. A few years ago, I started to get tired of terrestrial radio and decided to give podcasts a try. Through much trial and error, I found a number of podcasts I regularly listen to. The Suicide Squad cast is on that list. Tim and Scott are well-informed and provide great commentary with excellent chemistry, which is very important for a podcast. We would agree. Uh, Keep up the great work. The next one comes from Anthony Lowry called Thank Rao. Great title. I listen to this podcast on my way to work on Monday mornings, which is the perfect way to start off my work week. It's great to hear people talking positively about these characters. Thanks for a great show. All right. Thank you. And then closing us out for this week, our fifth review for the next giveaway. This is from Calypso, Texas, TX, titled Absolutely Must Listen. These guys are hands down one of the best podcasts in any category and a definite must listen for any DC fan, period. You can tell these guys love DC and know their stuff. But here's the best part. They don't give in to the rumors and craziness that is so prevalent these days. They actually help busy fans like me get down to what really matters. Actual news and facts in the DC universe. Thank you. Signed, Julie. Well, thank you very much, Julie. And we appreciate all these reviews. And you guys are now, we're five away from the next giveaway. And the five that we just read, you are entered into this next giveaway. So good luck to you. And uh, if you want to be part of this next giveaway, uh, leave us a positive written review on iTunes and you will automatically be entered. And if you're in one of those international stores, email us to let us know to look for your store. Uh, Just heads up. Yes, thank you. Okay, guys, that's it for this week's podcast. Like it hasn't been long enough. My goodness, the hype train is real. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun and we hope to hear from you very soon. Yep, and you can reach us at Suicide Squadcast on Twitter and you can reach me individually at Alan Fire. You can also reach me at ScottDC27 and uh, go ahead and give our our sort of overall umbrella a follow. You can reach the network at Squadcast Media and you can also email this show at SuicideSquadcast at gmail.com. We love to interact with you so please don't hesitate to reach out. All right, so guys, that is it for this week and we want to thank you as usual for listening and we're going to have another big week next week, Scott. (laughs) Just just feel it in your bones. You can just feel it in your bones. Well, it's it's like that every time. When a movie's about ready to come out, it just it just ramps up. And uh, this week ended up having a lot more news that I didn't expect to happen. So I was pretty excited about that. Okay, guys. Well, let's, you know, lock down. Get ready. We got three weeks to go. And Tim, what do we want to remind our listeners? Go out and keep reading some DC. See you guys. Bye, guys. Guys, 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 we have three weeks till Justice League comes out. Can we all just chill the F out? I mean, honestly. Yeah, seriously. Runtime freakouts, soundtrack freakouts, Richard Donner connection freakouts. Come on, guys. Seriously, if you're getting all offended about this stuff or getting all kind of worried about this thing, you know what? Just breathe. We, we, we can make you relax. Here, let us help you relax. This is going to take care of everything for you. <laughs> I gotta sneeze right now. <sighs> okay, it went away. Wait, no, it's back. Oh, you little teasing. <laughs> <sighs> okay, it's gone. Okay, no, it's back.